90, and my dad had a venture spirit, so we didn't camp in the campground. We camped on the lake. So we would, we would bring ice, and we'd bring extra gas. So we probably had 200 gallons of fuel in the boat in these big, not gas cans, because they're too expensive. They were like cans that the dry cleaners used. They were lined with kind of plastic, and they, they were usable for gas. And so we had, we, in Fresno, we'd top all those off, and, and we'd load them up in this little boat, and we're pulling, and my mom is saying, Stu, that's my dad's name, the boat's ready to fall off the trailer. And my dad said, there's no way that boat's falling off the trailer. I checked it. It's tied on. It's all the, everything's perfect. And, she, of course, as a family, we always pray for safety. And my mom, we're on this little car, little truck, and we're, no, God's telling me the boat's ready to fall off. And I'm thinking, all that gas? Dude, we're going to light the forest up. I mean, if we lose that boat, we're going to make, like, we'll make, like, we'll make news. And so Scott, Guy, and Kirk, mom and dad, and my mom, you know, pulls the trump card. God told me to tell you to stop the truck. Because when God speaks, and I'm thinking, what in the world's happening? All I care about is catching fish. And we love to ski when the sun's going down, and when the sun's coming up, it's like, it's like glass. You ever been on a lake that's glass? It's hard to see what is the, really the horizon. Is it, you almost like get to see just so clear. All I could think about. So the brakes go on, and sure enough, the boat was coming off the trailer. And my dad said to my mom, I'm glad that God speaks to you. And Scott, Guy, and Kirk were going like, us too. We're really glad that that boat didn't come off. And so he kind of had a, we all kind of worked. And, and again, they just tied it all up. And I'm thinking, oh, my mom hears from God. She prays for safety because it's my dad who's the worst of us. And there's Scott, Guy, and Kirk. The only one with sense in the whole truck is my mom. And God is on her side. And I could tell you a lot more, but that's probably the funny answer to prayer because that was a few years back. And we had a wonderful vacation. And we caught the fish and we had lots of, lots of fun. But real early, I realized that I had a God who spoke and ministered and touched my, our family. And uh, over and over again, because we used to always pray before we bought the boat and the trucks. And, like, we were praying, yes, God, say yes, say yes. We want to go have fun. And, you know, but my mom and dad were pretty, I think my dad made $1,000 a month as a cop, as a police officer. And they had a house payment, and they had all those kids, and, and things were tight, and they didn't want to waste God's money, but they believed in being, like, those that play together stay together. And they modeled that for me real well. Uh, I don't know what type of family you have, but we had, my dad used to embarrass me because he'd come to practice, uh, football practice, because he was our coach, and he was a cop by day, and his days off, he would build fireplaces for all the sergeants, because they all had a little more money than we had, and uh, so he, you got it, somebody just forgot it, so he'd come to work with like dirt all over him, but I, we also went to church in Sunday, and we're just we want to live our faith. That's what our church is about, is living our faith, listening to God. Uh, and when we blow it, we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us. And so 
that's why I'm having you read this book, because I want you to somehow tell a story of answer prayer. I can't answer your prayer. Only God can. And so as your pastor, I'm just challenging you to kind of do a 40-day prayer challenge and see, give God the opportunity to, uh, to speak into your heart. So every week we're going to have someone else in our congregation just share a little story in the, and kind of what God's done. So I had to call somebody up that I knew would say yes. So I called Terry and Pam, and they're just going to share just, I said three, four minutes, just a little bit about uh, kind of what God has kind of already begun to show them a little bit in this. So guys, come on up, and thank you for saying yes. So what I'm hoping is some of you will call me or see me and say, I'll do it next week. I'm not sure what I'll say yet, because I'll give God the opportunity. Or let me, so I'm kind of wanting this to be every week for seven weeks, it's only seven weeks, someone to get up and share kind of what God's doing in the midst of this. Okay. So, as we're reading through this book, on the first day, what kind of stood out to us were the don'ts. And Chad, were you going to put that up there? Yeah, there we go. So don't try to manufacture your own miracles. Don't try to answer your own prayers. Don't try to do God's job for him. Stay humble, stay patient, stay focused, keep circling. And the circling means keep praying. Keep praying, keep knocking. So that's what stuck out to us on day one. Day two we read... In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. So day two just reinforced day one. Um, don't try to do God's job. You know, day three then said, we need to work like it depends on us, but pray like it depends on God. So there's kind of a fine line there. Um, so I need to do all that I can do, but I need to know that I cannot do it all. And the prayer is where God lifts me up and lets me do what I can do. So again, stay humble, stay patient, let God do his job. Then yesterday, we read the difference between praying away a situation and praying through a situation. So lots of times I've prayed, God, just take it away. And the idea is if he just takes it away, then I don't learn anything from it. And he wants me to learn something from it. And many times I, I think of maybe my first 20 years of Christianity. Instead of getting... 20 years of experience in Christianity, I got one year of experience 20 times. And so hopefully we get the lesson the first time. We get the experience the first time. And of course, that went back to day one. Don't try to answer my own prayers. Stay focused. Keep circling. And so we're looking forward to day five. Uh, this is day five. We haven't read it yet. But, um, and you might be reading this and looking at me saying, I don't remember any of that. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
which is okay. Because the other day, Guy was talking about something that he read, a, um, a divine appointment he had, and I'm thinking, I'm looking at him nodding my head, but I'm going, I don't remember reading that. <laughs> so the Lord will point out to you what you need in that day, like he pointed out to, to us, like what we needed in that day, and to Guy what he needed, and, and so on. So... Hope you pick up a book and keep reading. I know some of you are working on Wednesday nights and others you have other obligations. So I'm not sure if every week we'll update, but in week one we had 12 prayer stations, which meant it was really neat because we had six couples, six leaders, and, and then people joined that group, and we all went and prayed for different things. So, uh, so that's, that's kind of what this sheet was about. And so if you can't come, you can just kind of pray through uh, kind of our, our call to prayer. Come, the ushers come forward, John. Thank you for uh, waving that beautiful green basket. Lord, uh, at, on Tuesday, I've known Tatum for almost four years, and she shared the goodness of God to middle schoolers. And Lord, I learned so much about Tatum that I didn't know about. I learned that she listens to you uh, probably deeper than I listen to you, and you've taken her through things I've never had to go through. And I looked the eyes of middle schoolers that had some of the same problems she had, and she talked about a God that met her. Lord, thank you for being a God that meets us right where we're at. And Lord, today as we're uh, giving, Lord, uh, we want to be, we want to learn what it is to give, what it is to worship, what it is to intercede for others. Now, the Christian life is just not about us. It's about Christ in us. And then what happens when Christ lives in us. And part of that is we give. We give of our offerings. We give of our joy. We give of the forgiveness that you've given us. We become generous. And Lord, we pray that we would be generous givers. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. So let's turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Probably in the weeks, a few weeks, as we kind of move closer to Easter, we're going to be looking at, the, at prayer. And uh, this morning, we're going to take a, a passage that's really familiar. But if we look at it in the sense of prayer, it seems like Prayer is at the center of all this. Our, our opportunity to, to communicate with God uh, is right in the middle of this passage. How can I rejoice? How can I not be anxious? How can I keep my mind on the right things? 
later in the chapter, how can I be content? And the answer is, one of the answers is prayer. So Lord, thank you for your word. You created us for the purpose of relationship. And Lord, as you created Adam, you, it says that you spent time in relationship with him. And Lord, we, you long for that. And Lord, teach us how to, to pray. Teach us how to long for you, to listen to you. Not so we can have our pockets full of goodies, but Lord, that we would know the creator God, that we'd understand redemption, that we'd be used as a tool We'd be used as a good neighbor. We'd be used as the light of the world. We could be used as a salt. Pour into us, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Rejoice in the Lord always. This is chapter 4, verse 4. And again, I say, Rejoice. Rejoice in what? In the Lord. Where is the writer of this book sitting as he writes this verse? Everybody know? He's in jail. He's in prison. What's he in prison for? Preaching the what? The word. The good news. The gospel. It's one thing to sit in jail because you did something bad. Something else is sitting in jail because you did something good. So what is Paul doing in difficult circumstances? He is rejoicing. Is he complaining? I don't see much complaints in here as we read a little bit more. Is he all worried? Is he full of anger and rage? Paul is rejoicing. I don't know if he's rejoicing because he's in jail, but he's rejoicing in the Lord. Why do we rejoice in the Lord? Why do you rejoice in the Lord? It's kind of fun because I have a green box around a question that I really want an answer to. So I know some questions are rhetorical. And other questions are true questions, which means the pastor or the teacher or the speaker is going to allow you to answer. So this is a green box. What do you rejoice in the Lord for? Anybody? When it says rejoice in the Lord, why? Luke. Okay, for all his creations. What else do we rejoice in the Lord for? Okay, why? For his... I heard somebody. Faithfulness. Is, we have a faithful God? Okay, so Satan would love to, to tell us something else. So as we're rejoicing in, in the faithfulness of God, we're to, as you rejoice, you're really declaring, right? It's, it's a declaration. It's a celebration. It's a, a statement to anyone around you that I find my life in, in God. Well, what else do we rejoice in and for? Anybody else? Raise your hand. I'll point to. So what type of blessings does he give you? 
How about the friend, the friend right next to you? Is she a blessing? <laughs> you guys are just having too much fun together. I might have to separate you. Like, I'll have to separate them like I do the middle school girls. Okay, you go in that corner, you go in that corner. And I'd never do that to, to Tina and her sister. Never. No. <laughs> so what else would you rejoice in? Okay, mercy and healing power. Heaven. Why would you rejoice in heaven? It's hope. Amen. Is it fun to rejoice? Or is it fun to complain? Who likes complaining more than rejoicing? Be honest. Any, any complainers out there? I'm not going to pick on Ed. How many rejoicers do we have here? People that enjoy. It's become a lifestyle. Because you get to choose if you're a complainer or if you're a rejoicer. Right? You get to make that choice. You don't get to choose what situations that you're in, but you get to decide if you're going to be rejoicing in the Lord or if you're going to be just kind of... I think the Israelites had a what? What are the Israelites? Murmured. Always what? Complaining. Manna again. I mean, the on and on. And, and somehow... God, give us a spirit of, of rejoicing. That's why we need to be in the Word, because as we read the Word, we have a lot to rejoice in. And so often we need to be reminded on the goodness of the Lord. The love of God is a great thing to rejoice in. The generosity of God, the righteousness of God, the saving power of God, the healing of God, the everlasting God, a holy God, a forgiving God, a caring God, a powerful God, a redeeming God. I'm not sure, but one of these Sundays, we're going to go through the alphabet. And we're going to like use names of God and descriptions of God. And we're going to go all the way from A all the way to the end. And every letter has a description of, a, of God. We were downstairs, and I think we went through like 360 names for God. And that was probably my best children's lesson. And it wasn't even my lesson. It was from a curriculum. And I got done thinking, oh, I have so much to rejoice in. Those names are still downstairs. We're long done with that lesson. And I don't know if anybody else reads that wall, but every time I walk through that room, I'm going, yep, 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 that's my God. You ever just stop and just say, that's my God? Who saw the sunrise this morning? Anybody? Did anybody just say, that's my God? It was lit up. Even downstairs had pretty light coming through. There's only like one window downstairs. And I'm thinking something good must be happening because it was like a glow. And I walked outside and I said, there's my God. My God is at work. You ever meet people? And you get done meeting them, you say, that's my God. They bless you. They encourage you. They lift your spirits. You ever met somebody like that? Amen. That's what happened Wednesday night. There was a beautiful group here. And I'm thinking, that's my God. Bringing people together to learn how to pray together. So, so you say, Pastor Guy, what was the best part of your night on Wednesday night? I heard people pray that I've never heard pray before. Not because they don't pray, it's just that I haven't hung out with them. So we're out here and praying over our preschool and I'm hearing people pray that I say hi to every Sunday, but I've never prayed together with before. Guess what happens when you pray with people? 
you feel closer. You feel connected because you're praying to the same God. So we're going to continue to do that for these 40 days. And what do you do after the 40 days? I don't know. We'll see what God tells us to do. What God tells us to do, we'll do. And, and we'll just take one little step at a time. Rejoice in the Lord always. This is one of my favorite passages when Paul makes the list of all the things that he has gone through. So I'm going to read this list to you. It's found in 2 Corinthians 11.23. Because whenever I start feeling sorry for myself, I read this list. And I say, no comparison. So this is 2 Corinthians 11.23. And this is Paul just kind of sharing with you that being a Christian is not always easy. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, uh, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. So Jesus had that happen to him what? One time. Paul says it's happened to me five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from the rivers, dangers from the bandits, dangers from my fellow Jews, dangers from the Gentiles, sounds like a song, dangers in the city, dangers in the country, dangers at sea, dangers from false believers. I have labored and I've toiled and I have uh, gone without sleep. And I've known hunger and thirst, and I've gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face the pressures of my concern for all the churches. Yet, what does Paul say? Rejoice in the Lord always. Does, did Paul know stress? Who has stress in their life? I do. Who has hardships? You do. We do. Who has anxiety? Almost to the place of bursting sometimes, right? Even in the middle of rejoicing, Paul says, I've experienced some pretty crazy things. And Paul said, I have learned to rejoice. I think rejoicing is something you learn. I don't think it's natural. And I'm not sure if it's a weird rejoicing. Praise God, he's got a flat tire. Uh, praise God, my transmission just blew up. Uh, praise God, my kid's in jail. What we say is, I'm going to praise you, God, and I'm going to rejoice in, in you. And I don't know what's going to happen to my tire, my transmission, or my child, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to keep on knocking. Because I have a good, good father. What is your secret to rejoicing? And we have to always go back to the word. And we begin to see the goodness of God and the character of God. Nothing rocks my life more than being with rejoicing people. So I, I kind of like hanging out with people that know how to rejoice because they teach me something. Uh, 
who's, who's been on a mission trip and you've been touched by poverty, like deep poverty? Uh, I know there's probably deep poverty here, but, but it's just something different. No running water. People literally washing their clothes outside, kind of washboards. I mean, not because it's cool or trying to save the earth. They're, they're washing their clothes on washboards because that's all they can do is wash their clothes. And they're not just in outhouses on their vacation going camping. They're, every day of their life, they're, their outhouses, their bathroom. Uh, there's been places where we've been as a team where there really is no refrigeration because there's really no power and they're really cutting their goat kind of like, like hunter style and they're making dinner and they're kind of, and we're going like, you gotta be kidding me. And then you go to church with them and they're like praising God. They're rejoicing. They come out of these kind of, I must say it disrespectful, shacks. They come out of shacks and they look better than we do. Their clothes are clean and their hearts are filled with rejoicing. We met one couple in Marita and like she said to one of our team members, I have to leave. It's not because I don't want to be with you, but I need to leave so my husband can come to church because somebody has to be at the house or somebody will take everything we own. So they, they do shifts even going to church. That way they don't lose the little that they have. Yet when worship comes, they have, they're rejoicing in the Lord. You're going, I have more belongings in my, my one pocket with my cell phone and my wallet and my credit cards. And, and they're worshiping. They're rejoicing in God. They understand Philippians chapter 4. They learn what it is to rejoice in the Lord. And I love being around people like that. I love praising God with those people. I'm not much of a dancer, but I even love dancing on Good Friday service with them. My wife looked at me and goes, you're going to Mexico? Don't you know you got to preach on Easter morning? And I said, I got that covered. She says, Corey, I said, Corey's going to preach Easter morning. I'm going to be dancing with Marita Church on Friday night. And I said, next year, I don't know what I'm going to do, but this year I've got permission and so we're going to spend the day, we're going to spend the day praying for people on the streets, passing out rice and beans. We're going to have a big free carnival. Uh, we're going to hand out as, as, we, as many Bibles as we can get. We can, that's what we smuggle across the border. Nothing bad. Bibles, tracks, rice, beans, things that people really need and love. I love being around people that rejoice because it spurs me on. I love being around you on Wednesday night because I have a lot to learn about what prayer is. I have a lot to learn about everything. And just being with you on Wednesday night was pretty special because the Bible says that we spur each other on to good works and deeds. Uh, amen. Who have you rejoiced with? Maybe you say, Lord, put some people in my life that know how to rejoice. One of the reasons you come to church, you, I'm, I'm praying that you find people that you can rejoice with, that you can text back and forth and say, guess what God's doing? You ever been to a hospital room 
and they're ready to take their last breath, at first it was pretty scary for me. <laughs> when I left, I felt like I needed to take my shoes off because I was on holy ground. They're about ready to pull that plug, which means they still have oxygen. They're still thinking clearly. And they're praising God. I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to meet with my father. And we're all like sad and like, you know, it's not, not, that's not easy at all. But they're rejoicing. I'm saying, Lord, I want to, when I go, I want to be rejoicing. When I'm in a shipwreck like Paul, I want to be rejoicing. When I'm, when I'm in poverty, I want to learn how to rejoice because it doesn't matter because you're a good God. Rejoice in the Lord always. What's the result of rejoicing in the Lord always? What's the fruit of rejoicing? Is there fruit? Because God tells us to do things. It's because it has a reason. It's good for us in our soul, but also it has like good byproduct. What are some of, what's some of the good results of rejoicing? What do you think? Peace. Amen. Healing. Encouragement. Yeah, puts our attention on where the goodness, we're not rejoicing in ourselves, we're rejoicing in the goodness of God. Well, verse 5 says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Verse 5. I think rejoicing people aren't real pushy. And rejoicing people aren't all about getting their own way. And rejoicing people aren't all full of proud. There's something gracious and gentle about them. I love being around people that rejoice in the Lord. One of the best answers to one of the most favorite questions in life. So how are you doing? Like, you don't want to be, like, weird when you ask that question. Like, do they really want to know how I'm doing? Or are they just asking, how am I doing? What's, how can I point them to Jesus? Because maybe I'm not doing so good. But I'm still blessed. So I think one of the best statements of how are you doing is the word blessed. I'm blessed. I'm going through some struggles right now, but I'm blessed because I have a faithful God. Oh, yeah, my, my kid is acting up. But you know what? I'm blessed because I'm, I'm in relationship with Jesus, and I'm learning what it is to pray. I'm blessed. And so part of rejoicing is being kind of gentle and, and gracious and, and understanding where the blessing is coming from. Because it says, what does that verse say? How is that all possible? The Lord is near. I think that's what prayer begins to do. It begins to put our eyes on the bigger picture. And then right in the middle of all this, verse 6. Now, this is my favorite verses. I mean, I mean these are mine. I mean, like, these are life verses for me. Do you have life verses? Like, you can just kind of quote them without even trying. And, and like, when somebody has a need, you're going, boom, I know where to take them in Scripture. Uh, when Satan wakes, well, maybe you wake up 
but then you feel like there's an attack on. You ever get attacked in the morning? Two or three in the morning? It's like everything's quiet, and you're going like, that's not from God. I know it's not from God, because God doesn't speak in those words. That's, that's really my adversary. And then he says, to be anxious about what? Nothing. But in everything, in prayer and petition and thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Wow. So, so the same mandate of rejoicing, Paul says, not to be anxious. How many people struggle with being anxious? Any worry warts in here? Yeah, we are, we, it just comes pretty natural. I, I went on the internet and said there's 40 million Americans who have anxiety attacks. That's a lot of anxiety. That's a lot of anxiety. And we're anxious over a whole lot. We're anxious over our job performance. For students, it's grades. We're anxious over relationships. Our kids, our peers, our friends. We're anxious over our purpose of life. We're anxious to be liked by others. We're anxious about our finances. We're anxious about our health. We're anxious about our future. Ugh, I'm getting depressed. I, we're anxious about the world. I'm anxious about the news. <laughs> let's, get, let's get real in what Scripture says. Do not be anxious about anything. So what's, what do we do instead of being anxious? We learn how to, to pray. We learn how to give our concerns because life is sort of anxious. There's lots of things happening around us. Uh, but what do we do with that anxiety? Is we say, Lord, it belongs to you. Terry's up here going, here it is. Here it is. Here it is, Lord. Fourth grade, I started getting really bad stomach aches. And my mom took me to the doctor. Doctor told me I had ulcers. Mom asked me, what you worrying about? And my answer surprised me, and it surprised her. I said, everything. In fourth grade, you're worried about everything? Yeah, the way I look. Is my hair combed right? What my friends think about me? My grades? Just girls? Not that I wanted a girlfriend, but I just wanted to even say hi to him. Uh, if I was good enough in sports, my batting average. My dad was a cop, and he strapped on a gun every time he left. And my mom said, you need to learn how to give all that worry to God. You're not supposed to carry all this. I said, how do you do that? How do you give life to God? I mean, I was... I didn't really understand that I was worrying so bad that I had holes in my stomach. I knew the holes hurt, but I didn't know where, why they, how they got there. And my mom said, you need to learn how to pray. You need to give all this stuff to God. I, really? God wants all this stuff? It's like, God doesn't want me to ask about how to say hi to a girl. He doesn't care about my batting average. He doesn't care. But my mom said, no, he cares about all the things that you're anxious about. And I'm being kind of silly, but most worry is pretty silly anyway. God wants me to give all that stuff to him. Why does God want all that? 
because God loves you, Mom said, because God cares for you, and your God is a big God. And then she opened her Bible. I'm not sure how she had a Bible in her car. But before we went in the house, that was 4010 Massachusetts Avenue. My teacher was Mrs. Harris. And I had to bring Maylock's milk to school because my stomach hurt so bad. And she read this beautiful prayer. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And I bowed my head and began to cry. Here we go, God. I'll give you my worries. I'll give you my fears. I'll give you my anxieties. I wasn't quite sure what anxieties were yet. I just knew that. I had a hole in my stomach. Like the very first time in my life, all my worries and all my pressures and all my anxieties were gone. I didn't even know I was carrying all that stuff, but I was worrying myself sick. Ever been there? That's why we need the Word of God. That's why we need to go to God and say, here we go. What's, what's, what's a byproduct of prayer? What does verse 7 say? Not a, what does your counselor say or what does your, your best friend say? What, what does the Bible say? What's the result of not being anxious, but in every situation, prayer, petition? My mom had explained the Thanksgiving part because we can come to God with a thankful heart even when the situations are bad. And uh, petition is to be specific with God your request to God, and then verse 7 gives you the kind of the, the byproduct of prayer. And what, what's the byproduct in verse 7? The peace of God. The peace of God. That what? Transcends all understanding. Will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Wow. The peace of God. What in the world is that? <laughs> Cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. The peace of God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. The peace of God says, if God is for you, who can be against you? The peace of God says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The peace of God says, when I am weak, God is strong. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 12.10 this is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. This is Paul again. In insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God says, it's okay. I'm there. The peace of God says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. The peace of God says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. What does the peace of God say to you? I got a green box there, which means I got to stop. And so it's not a rhetorical question. It's a real question. So what does the peace of God kind of say to you? So after you pray and you give, maybe if you're a mom, you give your little three-year-old who's biting in preschool, or maybe it's your 10th grader, and maybe something has been kind of found out and 
there's crisis in the family and bad decisions were made. What does the peace of God give you? What does that mean for you, the peace of God? Firm foundation, okay? What does the peace of God say to you when the doctor gives you the bad report? Go ahead, Luke, and then Terry. Okay, be content. I'm in control. Chad, this is what God said to you in the middle of your storm, huh? The big explosion happened, and, and, and God said, I'm in control. Two, and a half, two years later, what's God saying, Chad? He's in control. And in that, the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard, will protect your heart, your emotions, and your thinking in Christ Jesus. That's what prayer is. And we can grow in that together. Anybody else? Peace of God? The peace of God will, will lead you to right thinking. <laughs> so the peace of God protects your heart, uh, the emotions, the but then also it says that prayer can kind of lead you to the right thinking. So I'm going to just read out of verse 8. The last says, think about such things. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, think about what is true and whatever is noble and whatever is right and whatever is pure and whatever is lovely and whatever is admirable. If Anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We have to practice thinking right. Right? You gotta, you got, I mean, K love is a great tool because I can, even when I'm driving, I can have something praiseworthy on, right? As I take a walk, I can be listening to my Pandora and I can be worshiping the Lord. There's lots of ways that I can think right. When I read God's word, it's truth. And all the lies that I'm hearing, I don't need to spend time listening to lies. You're not good enough or whatever the lies are. Satan just, he, you, you recognize Satan because Satan is there to rob and kill and destroy. And he's to bring up things that already are forgiven. And if it's robbing your joy, if it's killing your dreams, and try and destroy your family, guess who it's from? It's not from God. So we need to think right. We need to go to Scripture, and we need to think right. Things that are true and noble and pure and lovely and admirable and praiseworthy. Have you ever been to a harbor and watched the sailboats? And one is going that direction, and one is going that direction, and it's the same wind that's blowing. Like, that's really, like, how does that work? So what makes, what makes that happen? It's the set of the sail that determines the direction of your life. And as we pray, and as we get into God's word, he sets our sail. And no matter what wind is blowing, that we can go the direction that God wants us. No matter how difficult a situation, it's a set of the sail. So as we read our 
our 40 days of prayer challenge, as we're in God's word, as we're, we're Lord, help set that sail that I'm casting my cares upon you. I'm looking for the opportunity to rejoice in the Lord. Uh, Lord, prayer is such an incredible, incredible place. So I'm, we're going to stop right here. And I guess I'm going to have a little car experience, just like my mom did on 4010 Massachusetts. We lived in a little alley. And before we uh, went in the house, we had a chance. I had a chance. And, and I didn't know what was happening, but meet with the Lord. And I was able to be anxious about nothing but in everything. And I was able to pray. And for me, it all happened at one time. I gave the anxiety to the Lord. I gave it to him through prayer. And then I'm going to say instantly. I, I don't know it's not instantly for everyone, but instantly I received the peace of God. And you know what? My hair was still red. My batting average didn't go up. I still had a hard time talking to girls. I still cared about what my friends said about me, but I had the peace of God in my life. And I knew that God was with me. I know that he loved me. And I knew that I can do all things with God's help. It's the set of the sail and not the gale that determines the direction of our lives. So just bow your head and, and just begin to give him the, it says to be anxious about nothing. Instead, pray and give it to God. It says practice these things. Church, practice these things. Let's not just talk about it. Let's not just know about it, but practice these things. Where we want to practice being rejoicers. We want to practice giving our anxiety to you. We want to practice walking in the peace of God that passes all understanding. We want to practice putting on the right thoughts through our day. Come have the worship team come on up and we have a come one of my favorite songs that we're going to close with. I think they're all still here, right? There they are. Let's stand together. <clears throat> 